Good morning, my name is Sarah. Who here has had a friend who has changed your life? You know, real friends. A good friend can change your life. We're in this new sermon series, hashtag with me, looking at relationships and self and spirituality in the new normal. And friendship is a good place to start this morning. Friendship is in some ways our most basic relationship, but it's also our most optional relationship. Your coworkers, they'll call you. Your family will be your family. There's a, a drive to, to get married. Uh, there, there's, there's social rewards for playing well in the sandbox with your coworkers. But friends, friends are that like last rung of necessity for relationships. And I think that's why in some ways friendships are so valuable. Unlike nice coworker relationships, your friends, don't get you more money. Uh, unlike your spouse, your friends don't build your family, make babies with you. Friendship is entirely optional. And that's why it's valuable. We experience care and love and concern and listening and kindness without the same push towards it or payback from this relationship. You know, I think of uh, my grandmother, and both my grandmothers actually experienced um, long periods of, of dementia before they died. And my one grandmother, the last person she remembered out of everyone, her husband of 60 years, she forgot him. My mom who was caretaking for her, she forgot her name. The last person she remembered was her childhood best friend who moved sometime during elementary school. It wasn't like they were friends zero to 18, but her childhood best friend, Ruthie Fagan. She remembered that last name. I remember that name. She remembered that name last of all. And in something that's just kind of a, a strange, kind of like weird, amazing thing to me that she would have never um, imagined as a happy housewife, church member her whole life. She would sit at age 90 and stare out the window and say, when's Ruthie coming back? I'd like to see Ruthie. I mean, it's so, so sad and, and so, so sweet. It's kind of a, just amazing to me how these friendships stick in us. I'm sure there's lots of neurobiology behind that and everything, but friends are important. There's a proverb in the Bible, uh, Proverbs 18, 24, that says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. If you've got lots of quote unquote friends, acquaintances, companions, it may do you good, it may not. But there are friends who stick closer than a brother who are just as good as family. Now, when this proverb was written way, way back, this would have been a controversial statement because family was everything. Everything was about family, marriage, who, who you married, land, property, inheritance, money, territory. Everything was about family. But the Bible is saying, actually, counterculturally, that a real true friends are just as important. Fun fact for you, people used to take their friends on honeymoons with them. Not so long ago, 150, 100 year, years ago, uh, you, you take your, your friend with you on your honeymoon. I'll just I'll pause for a minute and let that sink in for y'all. But you didn't want to spend all your time with, it, with your new spouse. You know, you're together with them in the evenings, but during the day, you wanted a lady friend to converse with you. You wanted a man to go do, like, you know, you wanted to take a friend with you on your honeymoon. One of uh, uh, my husband's friends, um, his groomsmen, uh, we, VK, we did, spent our honeymoon in Miami, which is where he uh, was also working at the University of Miami. So we actually ended up on the same flight to our honeymoon and him back to his house. And he was a, 
uh, seated just a couple of rows behind us and we would wave to him. He's like, I don't want to acknowledge you. Pretend I'm not here. Pretend I'm not here. But we got together with him when we were down there because he's a good friend and we liked him and we're both in the same city right then. So, you know, we spent some time together. Friends are important uh, and we need people who know us deeply, who understand us, who help us, who just plain do life together with us. Who here has felt a little lonely over the last six months? I mean, I, I know I have, right? And um, like all emotions, loneliness is fine. It's a fine emotion. L emotions are our signs, are our signals. Emo uh, loneliness is like hunger. It, it tells us something. When we, we feel hungry, we don't say, oh, I feel hungry. That's bad. That's a negative emotion. I shouldn't feel hungry. No, we just we get ourselves a glass of water, a little snack, maybe think about starting dinner soon. You know, we respond to that emotion. And loneliness is, is an emotion that we need to respond to. It's a sign. It's, it's a signal. The Bible has a lot to say, actually, about friendship. We don't always pay that much attention to it. I think friendship is kind of the, the most important and least talked about relationship. In the church, you'll hear sermons uh, on marriage. I personally don't think I've ever heard a whole sermon on friendship. So here we go. Pray for me. We're going to look at an example of friendship in the Bible and see how friendship can be transformative and what real friendship actually looks like. Good friends will change your life as they did for somebody in the Bible whose name means friendship. So let's pray together and then we're going to turn to our scripture. Right now, Jesus, we just, um, we give you ourselves. We just take a moment and center ourselves, center ourselves on you and give ourselves to you, Jesus. Our relationships, we give them to you. Our loneliness, we give it to you, Jesus. Our social and emotional needs, we just hold that out to you, Jesus. We ask this morning that you would meet us. We ask that you would work in, in our hearts and our lives, Jesus, to produce better relationships in our lives. This week, next week, next month, Jesus, be, be working um, in our relationships, Jesus. Um, that we would have good friendships, good relationships with other people, Jesus. And most of all, Jesus, we receive your love and your care and your peace for us. We receive what you have for us and we stand confident and strong in your love and your goodness to us. We open our hearts and our minds. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, we're going to be looking at the book of Ruth. Ruth is the one whose name means friendship. And uh, this is a story um, about a man um, named Elimelech, him and his wife, Naomi. There's a famine in the land of Israel. So they head out to Moab. Um, their, their sons married two women from this land of Moab. They're not really on great terms with the Israelites, but that's where there's food. So, so they go over there. Their sons married two uh, women from Moab named Ruth and Orpah. Then all the men folk in the family die, Elimelech and his sons. And Naomi, the matriarch of the family, is left with two, herself a widow with two younger widowed women, just the three of them. And uh, in chapter 1, verse 11, if you want to read along with me, Naomi said, 
They, they, they decide to travel back to Israel because the famine has let up in Israel. So Naomi says, I'd like to go back to my, my homeland of Israel. And she says, why should you girls come with me? You, you, you women should leave me, Naomi and Orpah. Can I give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? Nope. Sure can't. Even if I was, even if it was possible and I was to get married and, and have a son to Tamar, he would not be uh, a husband for you. Basically, Ruth and Orpah, they are young widows. They need husbands ASAP. Naomi cannot help them with that. My, my daughters, return to your own home. Uh, things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Naomi is in a deep, dark place, and she's urging these women to leave her on her own to go look after themselves. They wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. She returned to Moab, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. You should do the same. Return. But Ruth replied, do not ask me to leave you and turn back. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued their journey. Uh, in the end, uh, Naomi helps Ruth uh, get, get fixed up with Boaz. Uh, they marry. They are both provided for. Uh, Ruth and Boaz have, have a son named Obed, becomes um, one of the great-great-grandfathers of King David. Ultimately, he's in the genealogy, the lineage of King David and Jesus of Nazareth. You know, in this conversation, Naomi urges both her daughters to, to re return, go back, leave me. There's nothing for these women with Naomi. Return, go back, leave me. Naomi advises her daughters to go back to the land of Moab. They're, they're traveling in between Israel and Moab. No good Jew would have advised the people they love to, to go back to this land of quote-unquote pagan uh, uh, worship. But, but she's they're just in a very tough position. And Orpah takes Naomi's advice and leaves. There's no judgment in that. When we look at Orpah and we see what Ruth's other option was. Ruth could have chosen that. Without Naomi, Ruth would not have been saddled with, you know, a mother-in-law to, to provide for. Also, she looked for a, a future husband to, to carry on the lineage of her deceased family, to care for two widows. Orpah chose that the path is better for her in many ways over friendship with Naomi. Orpah's leaving was, was reasonable. There's no condemnation, just hugs and kisses and, and crying. And friendship is optional. But Ruth, whose name means friendship, she stays. She clings to Naomi. The word uh, translated here as, as cling to is uh, Hebrew. In the Hebrew, debak, it means to cling, stick close, join together. It's used of marriage. It's used of joining two people together in marriage. Ruth wants to just keep walking and traveling with Naomi to live with her, to take on her identity, her people, her culture, to die with her. And she promises this without any plan. There's no plan for how she will fix their life. She does not say, uh-uh, 
Naomi, I've got it. I've actually figured out how we can make this thing work. I figured out how I can go with you. We'll do X, Y, Z, and there we go. Uh, I'll stay with you. She has no plan for her own provision. She just goes out of her love for Naomi. Verse 18, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more, and they continued on their way. As they stand in between Moab and Israel, Naomi says, go back, return, leave me. But finally, Naomi relents. She acquiesces. She reluctantly gives in to the force of love, gives in to, to the force of, of friendship. Friendship is the, the turning point, the conversion point in this story. So let's see what it tells us about friendship in a tough time for us. I think we see first that friendship doesn't judge what the other person brings to the table or what they could do better. Naomi was not in a good spot. She didn't have the best attitude. She left the land of the God of Israel and now she blames the God of Israel for everything. She is not Miss Positivity. But Ruth doesn't judge her. She doesn't dole out advice, propose a solution. She just loves her. If you evaluate other people's lives, uh, critique what they could do better decisions with, you know, child rearing or, or career or, or how they spend their money. You're not a real friend. You know, I was uh, hanging out with actually some old college friends on Zoom a couple uh, weeks ago. You know, we did a little um, college reunion girls um, time together, um, you know, which is really unique and special. And um, some things were said on this, this Zoom, you know, you picture all the little, um, little boxes um, that I did not uh, agree with. Actually, that's not true. Someone said something I did agree with and another person, like their jaw like open, I mean the look of like shock and disagreement and disapproval. And then I was bothered by it because I thought like this is, I actually agree with what was said and it's not an uncommon opinion, right? This is actually quite common and why are you looking like I can't believe you ever said so. Like then I was offended by her offense over the, their comment. I was like, what? You know, I'm learning a new uh, a question to ask myself, a little mantra. Why does this bother me? And you know, usually when I stop and think, why does this bother me? I don't have a particularly good reason for it. And it helps me, you know, let, let go of this. If it's other people, if it's other people's lives, there's not a good reason for me to be bothered by it. The only things that should bother me are things that directly negatively affect myself and, and my family. Judging kills friendships. You know, my opinions about better choices for, for a whole variety, they are just my uh, opinions. And, you know, the whole like, why are you doing that? I can't believe she said that. You know, that's just the opposite of real love. That's the opposite of friendship. Ruth does not withhold commitment and going with Naomi because Naomi does not have much going for her. She doesn't say, I'll stick with you if you'll fix your attitude and you'll get more positive about things. She says, I love you. She just says, I love you. Love changes things, not judgment. Love opens up possibilities. Judgment walls off a corner. Love encourages. Judgment discourages. Ruth just loves. 
And she says, I'll stick with you. You know, friendship sticks together. Friendship is living life together. Uh, I love what Ruth says. She doesn't promise to, to make her happy. She doesn't promise to have the best time. She, she just promises to stick together. I think this is important. What you expect and what you promise um, in every relationship. You know, on a side note, I've heard some uh, self-written uh, marriage vows that I'm not sure if they are super realistic. Um, one of my friends, I was actually in her, her wedding, and one of her vows was, I promise to cherish you. They were really, really good vows. Um, I promise to cherish you. I promise to never take a single moment together for granted. I'm like, you're going to take moments together for granted by about day two of the honeymoon. Do you own an iPhone? You will take moments together for granted. You know, we don't make life perfect. We just do it together. Friendship is about where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. And I think sometimes the biggest barriers to our friendship are, you know, just not being together. You know, are the biggest barriers are, are distraction and stress. Stress uh, uh, cuts us off from being emotionally uh, available and open. We, we worry about things that haven't even happened yet instead of being present and available. We're, we're distracted. We have to be present. Friendship is for now. No one has friends for the future. Like, let's form a relationship together so I can hang out with you next year. You don't have friends for the future. You have a bank account for the future. Friends are for now. Friends are for being, not doing. I mean, it can sometimes be so overscheduled and, and overworked. Friendship requires an investment of time. And, you know, if you're overscheduled and you're like, well, I can see you the first Friday of the month for our wine tasting, that's not a real friendship. You're not available to, to take their kids or to, you know, mow the lawn when they, you know, break their floor or something like that. You have to have availability to do life together. And I have a friend who says a favor builds a friendship. If our friendships are all scheduled, they're not built around real life and just sticking together. Um, we're sometimes too overworked and overscheduled with quote-unquote fun things even to have those truly deep, satisfying relationships that just take wiggle room. And then the third thing is um, when I look at Ruth's friendship, uh, they're really both completely honest with each other. There's no sugarcoating the situation. You know, Naomi and Ruth don't try and bargain with each other or lay out their best selves for each other. Total honesty will build a friendship faster than, than 20 brunches or, or happy hours ever will. You can be good friends with somebody if you don't see them very often because you go to that place of authenticity and vulnerability. The walls have to come down. People can't be friends with your exterior presented nice self. They have to be friends with your real self. And this can take work. You know, most of us, we, we like to complain about problems. We don't like to share our real vulnerabilities. There's a big difference between complaining about problems and sharing our actual real problems. Um, and there's just a real temptation to, to trade um, people having a favorable opinion of us for true friendship. And we may, that's just a really bad trade to, to put out a favorable impression of ourselves or our competency. And that's a tragic trade to trade that for real friendship of being known and understood deeply. And then lastly, love is open-handed. 
You know, Ruth doesn't have a plan. She doesn't look to Naomi to make her happy. Ruth is going to look out for herself, be herself, and do life together with Naomi. If you want another person, a best friend forever to make you happy, that's not a friendship. That's a transaction. Here, I'll spend time with you. You make me happy. That's a transaction. That's not a friendship. We have to come to relationships open-handed. You be you. I'll be me. I will not put pressure on you, even if it's secretly internally for you to make me happy and fulfill my needs. Friendship is secure. It doesn't look to the other person to, to do something or, or, or be something. Our friends will always disappoint us. They'll always do things that are like, really, why are you doing that? Like, I would have done it differently. You know, we're such good friends. Why is she doing this, this thing that I just don't even know why anyone would do that? Our friends will always disappoint us uh, emotionally. We have to fill our own cup. We have to be happy and secure in and of ourselves. We have to drink from deep wells before we can share life together well. Ruth takes this on without a plan, open-handed. And this is why love is a spiritual thing and why friendship is good for our souls because it places us outside of ourselves. And listen, this is hard in the time of COVID. Uh, all of us are under kind of a different stress that kind of, you know, shuts us down emotionally in, in some ways. Many of us are lonely and there's just less social interaction, less time with people in general. But I think it's also an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be honest about the struggle. It's an opportunity. All of us um, are, are seeing our lack of control. The biggest thing in our lives right now we have zero control over. I think that's good to come to terms with. It's, it's good to be okay with not being okay. This is a time to open up, to be real about our needs. Many of us are struggling. We want to be open and, and honest about that. You know, I think of the time uh, in my life recently, probably when I was the most lonely, um, I was probably maybe the most lonely when I was overseas by myself for, for a number of years, but that felt like I, I should be lonely, right? Like, you know, you're living in, you know, the middle far corner of, of, of China, like by yourself, like you should be lonely. Um, and I was kind of okay with that. Um, but you know, after Stephen and I got married, uh, I left, uh, Pittsburgh, where I was close to, you know, a number of good friends uh, that I'd had before grad school, left the social network of, of grad school, we went to our first job in Connecticut. You know, we were young at that point in time. We're still young, um, but we were young. Um, the congregation we were serving was, was a bit older. We were new to town. And, you know, you're newly married, so you're not supposed to be lonely. You're supposed to be blissfully in love and have all your emotional needs totally satisfied in this friendship. Well, I was lonely. I had no friends. I didn't want to call the like four friends who really would, you know, I wanted friends there. I was lonely and I felt like I shouldn't be lonely. You know, this is an opportunity because most people understand that you are lonely and it's okay to be lonely right now. In our passage today, Naomi tells Ruth to, to turn back, go back, return, but friendship sticks close and friendship changes their story. Things around us, maybe our pride, 
will tell us to turn back, return. It's too high a risk to step out. It's too embarrassing. I don't want to tell them that. But love sticks and friendship changes things. Ruth's pledge is made in between Moab and Bethlehem. They are on their way, journeying back to where the people of God belong. They're, they're leaving a place of kind of spiritual darkness and journeying you know, metaphorically to a place of spiritual light. What happens on the side of the road in the middle of the journey is the conversion point of their story. The changing point of their story is, is their love, is this friendship, a love that sticks with us. Ruth's friendship will be the, the salvation of Naomi as she works for her food and um, as then she provides for Naomi through uh, a household and, and marriage. And, and then ultimately it will lead to the salvation uh, for Israel and the birth of King David. And then the even greater salvation as it leads ultimately to the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. This example of friendship is a stepping stone in our own salvation history as it leads us up to Jesus. But I think it also shows us the spiritual power of love, the spiritual value of choosing the option of friendship. Jesus said, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. This is John 15. Remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you may be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Jesus says, this is my command to you. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. This is what Jesus says. I love you. I call you friends. Love one another. You know, we're all Naomi's in this story. We have nothing to offer God. But Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is the one who says, I want to go with you. I want to stay with you. I want to die with you. Jesus is the friend who clings to us no matter what. And the friendship of Jesus, that changes everything. There is a love that is stronger than death. There is a love that changes us. There is a love that transforms our destinies. Receiving the friendship of Jesus changes us. It liberates us. We don't have to have our friends make us happy. Jesus fills our cup and we do life together with others. You know, there's no condemnation in Jesus. We stand in freedom. If Jesus doesn't condemn us, we don't condemn anyone else. There's no, no judgment in Jesus. We are accepted the way we are. So we accept others. We can be vulnerable and open because Jesus has chosen us and loved us completely. And there's opportunities for us this morning, friends. Opportunities for us to be honest about our real feelings and needs. Sometimes it's, it takes a lot to say, you know what? I am lonely. It takes a lot to say, you know, I need, you know, this friendship to be more. To say, I, I want, I want real friends. Who, I want to stick with this person. I want, I want to, for them to be my people. It can take a lot. 
but there's an opportunity for us to open up to real friendship because we need it and because we've received Jesus's friendship. That changes everything for us. We are free to love well. We are givers of friendship, not receivers, not just receivers of other people's friendship. We've received Jesus's friendship and that liberates us to live a, a life where we have good friendships, good relationships, because Jesus is our first friend. Let's pray together, and then we're going to spend some time uh, worshiping, um, enjoying Jesus' friendship with us. Lord God, this morning, uh, we thank you for your friendship with us. Would you change us? Would you make us secure in your friendship to us, Jesus? Would you make us confident? that we are loved, we are chosen, we are accepted, we are freed in you, Jesus. Root us, secure us in your love for us. We receive your friendship. As your word says, you do not call us slaves, you call us friends. And we remain in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.